0: Hi there, and great to have you along with me, Cleanna Nianlun, for the first podcast edition of RTE Radio 1's Spoken Stories. Each podcast treats us to a new story from a commissioned collection of short fiction read by its author or by a guest reader, with you, the listener, in mind. This collection is called Spoken Stories, Independence, as each writer started out on their story by considering what independence might conjure up for them and where it might take them today, 100 years after our war of independence. In its way, this Spoken Stories series is a creative contribution to Ireland's decade of centenaries. I hope you will agree that together, the stories illustrate how variously, and indeed entertainingly, an idea can be interpreted. And so to get things started, here is writer Anne Enright with a couple of words about her story, Wildlife, before she goes on to read it for us. The piece is called Wildlife. It's about
1: people chasing things. Whales, uh, Wi-Fi, moose and houses. When the brief was given to me as Independence Hut of many people I know, who all they wanted was freedom from debt after the crash in 2008. So that is the Independence Day for this couple the day they get out of negative equity. The whales were moving north, she said. They might catch them if they were quick, unless they were already gone. Finn did not know what to say to that. It was really pelting down. They were sitting in the parked car outside the little wooden house that was the office of Whale Adventures in the middle of nowhere in Cape Breton. They had two teenagers in the back seat and it was bucketing. Mariva had come out of the whale office at a run and the door handle clunked uselessly a couple of times before Finn realised the damn car had locked itself. Then he couldn't find the right button to let her in. She sat into the front seat like a landed fish. The tops of her shoulders were sopping wet, but she was oddly dry elsewhere. Her jacket was darkened to the edge of her breasts. He could not help but notice. And below that line, it was still powder blue. His wife was wet to her circumference. Her body had created its own shadow. So the underhang of her had escaped the worst of it. This was completely vertical rain. He thought he might point this out to her and decided against. Mar said there was a tour boat in the morning but if they wanted to go out this afternoon they could book a little Zodiac inflatable just for themselves and this was a good thing apparently. Was it? Finn did not know what would happen to you if you saw a whale in the rain from a little inflatable boat. The last humpbacks were two days ago but they saw a blue on Tuesday. A blue, he said. Whale, she said. A blue whale. Huge. It's the biggest thing. Mar's face went wide with imagined wonder as she looked up at the windscreen. Her idea of a whale carried some massive sense of conviction. They would see a whale, she seemed to say, and everything would be so much better. Finn was not sure that seeing a whale would change his life. Besides, what was wrong with the way things were now? Why was she always looking for more? Or they might be gone north already, she said. They might already be gone. Mariva looked down and rubbed her eye. Well, what do you think? She sounded so exasperated, even though Finn had done nothing but agree with her while she argued with herself. I don't know, he said. In the back seat, the kids had caught some Wi-Fi from the tour office, the first they'd seen in two days, and were deep into their screens. They were out twice yesterday and saw nothing. There's no guarantee. Well, not in this rain. Finn, she said, the rain doesn't bother the whales. I suppose not, he said. And they both looked out at the weather. Not that they needed to look. The car was damp even on the inside. Every drop was fat with water and it fell from a great height onto the bonnet and roof in endless dull syncopation. They were being drummed down into the tarmac by the local gods of rain. We, uh, We could wait until Fundy, she said, and catch them there. Yeah, if it's not too late. He looked across at her, his lovely, disappointed wife. Yeah, he said. And of course it would be something to see a whale. Of course, to see one lift up out of the water. It would be great to come back with a salty face and go, wow. To your wife, who was now lit up with the idea that you see, you see, everything would work out. The whale had twisted up out of the ocean. The universe had done for them its pirouette. Later, maybe they would have post-whale sex. Tremendous, deep-diving, sea-swept. And that would also be grand, if that was the way things played out. But what if they didn't see a whale and it was all his fault? What if Mariva said I don't know why I married you? I don't know what I've done with my life. Nothing like a holiday for all that. It wasn't just the Wi Fi that was keeping the kids quiet in the back seat. Let's head back to that coffee place and have a think, said Finn. We need to eat anyway. Which was his way of saying no to Wales, in this god forsaken downpour. No, to dashing about in a toy boat on a big sea, looking for something that was both alarming and probably not there. No, he looked for the ignition key and then poked the start button, turned on the lights instead of the wipers, got the stupid lever into drive and pulled out onto the wrong side of the fortunately deserted road. The holiday was her idea. Mariva's brother had come over to an oil boom in Labrador back in 2008 when everything had fallen apart in Ireland, and Mariva never lost the sense that the east coast of Canada was a place where things got fixed. The photos pinged through whenever the brother got near a satellite signal. And each was the same as the last. Mountains, river, sky, mountains, trees, more trees, an iceberg that looked about two miles away, a tiny bear at a distant dumpster. Mariva clicked through them as they arrived, sitting in negative equity in their house in Clonsilla, a toddler pulling at the phone and a baby on her knee. She took to saying Labrador in the local style to distinguish the place from the breed of dog. My brother is in Labrador. Finn's wife, his sad wife, seemed to think that if she ever got to Labrador, she would hike mountain passes while Osprey landed on her shoulder. Or she didn't know what she thought. When it came to it, many years later, her brother was down in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He had a sweet wooden house with a skidoo in the garage and a boat in the driveway that didn't currently work he brought them to an Irish pub even though they had just come from Ireland and a couple of jet-lagged days later he drove them to the lighthouse at Peggy's Cove where they were supposed to admire the size of the rocks and in fairness they were pretty big rocks after which they had gone off exploring in their rented car Everything in this country was much further away than it looked on the map. And it was, when you arrived, covered in the same pine trees you had left behind. The kids spent their first day on the road hunting for Wi-Fi. And when that didn't work, for moose. There were road signs warning about animals crossing, but they really didn't cross. Except the next evening, on a high bend at dusk, when they came across a camper van with a bust-up fender and a large creature twitching in the headlights hard to tell if it was a young moose or a grown stag there were cars stopped on either verge and finn had to be careful driving through as they passed they saw an elderly man reach into his pickup truck and walk back to the animal whose antlered head was jerking skywards the man was carrying something looked like a gun. Is that a gun? Was that a moose? The kids were too stunned to ask anything else. Lorna who was 13 started to cry. Was that a gun? No one pestered him to stop and see if it was just a deer. No one asked to watch or begged to stay the hunter's hand. It's Canada, Finn said. Would you relax? The day after the probably dead, possible moose, they crossed an impressive causeway over to Cape Breton and drove up to the Cabot Trail. This was a road with a view, much of it obscured by weather. They checked into their cabin and attempted a hike in the local woods, shouting against bears and stopping to fix Lorna's clearly unsuitable platform sneakers. They sprayed for bugs they forgot to bring sandwiches afterwards they ate seafood in a terrific and surprising shack overlooking the sea apart from Tom that is their elder child who sulked for steak and in the cabin late that evening Mar fought with Finn like it was all his fault The weather, the sandwiches, the insects and the bears, not to mention the manifest fact that the whales were migrating north already. They would miss the whales. And now here they were, two days later again, in the poundings of rain, in the middle of a different nowhere, failing to make a decision, facing the inevitable muffins and cheeriness of a Canadian wilderness cafe. But as it happened, there was a decent little menu. They ate lobster roll with crinkly crisps on the side, while the woman behind the counter cooked a burger for Tom. The food was outstanding. How come they couldn't manage anything like this at home in Lucan? Finn said, but his wet wife did not reply. Let's find the cabin and dry off first, he said, which was another way of saying no to the whales. Though Finn had the feeling he was just stalling at this stage, that this was a battle they both would lose. The cabin was called Cliff View. It was up a small road on the side of a hill and the wipers slapped as they made their way slowly along. Which was another good thing about this country, Finn thought. No one expected you to drive like a lunatic and the roads in general were excellently maintained. Though this road was a bit of an exception, it was more of a track and the hairpin bends wound really quite close to the edge of what was turning into an unguarded cliff as they climbed higher. Take it easy he said. In the back seat Lorna and Tom had chosen this peak driving moment to fight over a packet of boiled sweets. I want the green one I want the green two large human beings out of control a foot away from him they were blocking the back window and making the car rock almost from side to side guys he said but they just ratcheted up a notch stop it said Mariva just stop it and she reached around to join the fight it seemed to Finn she was physically in there her arm waving and slapping making everything that much worse which is how presumably they missed the turning to cliff view because he kept driving and checking for much too long and after that for longer again, trying to decide what to do now. And then they came to the end of the road. It just stopped. Below them was a beach with a river streaking across it, a grass track leading down. The rain reddened the sand under huge tangles of dark grey driftwood. And when he cut the engine, There was silence, rain, waves, trees. Give me the fucking sweets, Finn said. Hand me the bag. A small animal, maybe a weasel, bounded across the track, spring-loaded, half-tail. Look, he said. What, said Lorna. It's a weasel, maybe, or a mink. Mink said Tom that's not a thing what do you mean mink he thumbed his phone for proof that mink was actually a kind of coat but the phone was very far from a signal of any kind Finn managed to get the car heading back the way after a 19 point turn not a single one of which sent them rolling down to the beach below as he started back up the dirt road Mariva keeled forwards almost formally she placed her face in the hollow of her upturned palms then she set them head and hands both on the dash. The children sank low in their seats getting ready to fight again. Finn said cliff view keep an eye out for a sign but he was the only one looking now if he stopped The entire holiday would stop. The rest of them did not care. He drove, careful as ever, around one bend and the next. He saw some people up ahead and slowed right down. There were three of them, walking in single file through the rain, and they carried three slightly silly umbrellas. Finn could not figure them out, The ankles sticking out of their sneakers were oddly thin, perhaps because they were bare. One of them wore thick glasses, but was probably a woman, which was Finn's way of realising that her head was shaved. This person was swathed, as were her companions, in a dark red blanket. Mariva had glanced up now, caught by the shift in his attention. Monks, she said. And indeed, that is what they were. Three Buddhist monks mounted the sloping verge and the silence in the car became more silent as the family passed slowly under their smiles of greeting that turned to tiny waves and laughter to mark the sweet hilarity of this encounter on a road in the middle of nowhere, high above the sea. The monks placed their hands together around the handles of the silly umbrellas. A pink child's toy, a broken blue floral thing, an ordinary tartan. Two Westerners, one male, one female. And under the pink umbrella, a very small person who might have been any gender from anywhere. Incredibly old. Finn watched in the rear view mirror as the others spun around to look out the back. The monks carefully stepped down off the verge onto the dirt road and were lost around a bend. Tom faced front again. Well, that happened, he said. Was that a woman? said Lorna. Which one? said Finn. The cabin was lovely, if a bit small, for four. The key was under the mat and there was a plate of homemade cookies on the pine table. The kids ran up to the mezzanine to bags' beds while Mariva checked through the place, admiring the quilted cover in their bedroom, turning on and off the bathroom fan. Finn went out to the car for the cases, going up and down slippery wooden steps while Mar took a shower. He changed out of his wet gear and draped it next to her wet gear on the backs of the wooden chairs. They ate the cookies. Tom found the password under the Wi-Fi router and he said, I'm in. After which, they lolled on beds and couch while Mar went about the place looking for a hairdryer. She ended up brushing her hair out upside down. Finn could hear her at the mirror going, Dear God Almighty. Then she came out of the bathroom and said, What do you think? Her hands were pushing down the outside of her thighs, which was a bit confusing. Lovely, said Finn. And she said... You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? This was actually true. Mariva was a fairly slim woman who was always asking if she was fat. And what did he think of her outfit? And what should she do with her hair? Finn never knew what was wrong with her hair. He liked it when her fringe grew so long her eyelashes got caught in the tips. He liked the way she was attractive by accident. It was something he found hard to describe. When she said, how does this skirt look? He wanted to say it looks great when your eyelashes get tangled in your hair. You look lovely, he said. Thank you, she said miserably. No one mentioned the whales. For dinner they had eggs done in a pan of tin tomatoes with beans and rice. Old camping trick, Mariva said. Everyone ate it a little to their own surprise, and afterwards Finn helped with the dishes. Do you like these plates, she said. They had flowers painted on the rim. Was that what she meant? They're sort of handmade, he said. Yes, Finn, yes they are. Don't you love this place? The cabin was nicely designed, he thought, but it was also very small. Finn thought she hated small. Sharing the sink like this reminded him of the house in Clancilla, a place it had taken them 12 years to escape. They had snapped it up like fools at the top of the market they bought because mar was in such a hurry prices were moving so fast she was terrified they'd miss out and they went too late because finn was slow and reluctant when none of it made sense so whose fault was that in their push me pull you stubborn love whose fault was the 12 years they spent in the wrong house before the pit of debt filled itself back up and they posted the keys through the letterbox for the next couple and their babies. Independence Day, they called it. Two years on, Mariva had a job and they could afford a trip to Canada. And here they were in a house that was small in a cute way as opposed to a life sentence sort of way. But small was small, Finn thought. Sometimes, secretly, he found himself nostalgic for their little house in Cloncilla. Though, of course, Mariva had the kids to look after, and there was no getting away from it. Those years were hard. Finn hung the wet tea towel back on its hook. Let's book the whale thing anyway, he said. That's what I thought. The big boat, in the morning. Even if we see nothing. Even if they have all migrated. be a trip. She kissed him briefly and he realised how lonely he was. He wanted to tell her a little bitterly perhaps that he thought she looked good when she was being nice to him. He found that very attractive. Was that wrong? You could call it whatever sexism but all he thought was you always look fantastic when you're smiling at me. Though it had to be admitted He also loved her when she was sad. You know what I want to know, said Mariva, looking straight at him. What? Who put you in charge? If he kept very quiet, Finn thought, they might have sex later or early in the morning when the kids would definitely be asleep. In the event, he dozed off on the couch and made it late to bed. And when he woke the next day, The unfamiliar room was empty. He did not know what time it was. Light slipped through the bamboo blind and Mariva was gone. Also, the rain had stopped. Finn got up and went barefoot through the little house until he saw her outside on the wooden deck, clearing the wind whipped hair back from her face. Mar was looking down at the sea completely intent as though she'd seen something as though there was something there she turned at his approach lit up come quick quickly she said
0: There, you heard writer Anne Enright read for us her new short story, Wildlife, specially written for Spoken Stories Independence. Next time on Spoken Stories Independence, Katrina Niwarahu treats us to a reading of the new short story, Assignation, by writer Mary Costello. You can enjoy all the commissioned fiction featured on Spoken Stories Independence wherever you get your podcast and on rte.ie forward slash culture. From me, Clean and Loon, until the next time, thank you for listening.